Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Come on, are you ready to get in the Word? Come on, touch three people, say get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 17. We are in a series called Yahweh. Yahweh, the names of God. How many of you were here last week when we kicked off this series? Oh, this is going to be so rich. Today's going to be a great day. I promise you. I got, I got so much to say, and I don't have enough time to say it. I hope you packed a lunch. You know, the names of God, God wants us to know him. But please hear me. He knows you. He wants you to know him. And he does so by revealing himself to us through different experiences and events and moments with him. The names of God help us to understand the character and nature of who he is. How many of you have discovered that one name alone cannot summarize everything God is? And so last week we talked about that. We talked about Yahweh, meaning that he is everything we need. Whatever you need, that's who he is. He just fills in the gaps. Whatever blanks that you have in your life, he's the answer to. Whatever dots that you have, he'll connect every one. He is, he said, I am who I am. And so this coming Wednesday, on first Wednesday, I don't know if you, if you normally come to our first Wednesday service. You don't want to miss this Wednesday night. I'm going to be teaching Yahweh Rapha, which means God is our healer. And we're going to do a special healing service. So I'm going to teach for a moment, but then we're going to worship and pray and minister to people that need healing. If you need healing in your body or if you know somebody that needs physical healing, bring them to church this Wednesday. If you need healing in a relationship or healing in your marriage or in your emotions, I believe God's going to do something supernatural. Who would agree with me? Amen. That's this Wednesday. Today I want to talk to you. The title of the message is simply this, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Yahweh Nisi means the Lord is my banner. Exodus 17, verse 8. Let me give you some context. Um, the Israelites, after having been in bondage for 400 years, they were slaves in Egypt for four centuries. And through Moses and so many miraculous moments, God brought deliverance to the nation of Israel. Some two to three million people exited Egypt. They, they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. And there they begin their journey in the wilderness. And while they're in just a, a few moments, a few days into this journey, they are attacked by the Amalekites. The Amalekites were basically the bullies of the Sinai wilderness. You ever encountered a bully? Somebody that just like to pick on you and mess with you for no reason? Man, you're just minding your own business. The Israelites, they, they weren't trying to hurt anybody. They were just glad to be free. And here in their newfound freedom comes a bully from Amalek. And the Israelites are just getting a drink from the water fountain. And man, they get ambushed by their enemies. Have you discovered that it's, it's, it's uh, you ever wondered, Lord, can I just catch a break? God, can you, can you, I mean, it's been hard. I've been, I've been through so much. Can you just give me a break? Anybody ever thought that, prayed that? You seem to go from one attack to the next. You try to avoid trouble. How many of you have a hard time avoiding trouble? Trouble just seems to find you. 
Yeah, just, it just knocks on the door, and man, here it is again. And so we find the is- Israelites under attack from the Amalekites, and here's the, here's the text, verse 8, Exodus 17. When the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I'll stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded, and he fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. Verse 11, as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Now, let me stop right here for just a moment. We see this interesting scenario of the conflict between Israel and Amalek and this battle strategy, which is very unique. I want you to remember how did the Israelites leave Egypt? How did they exit that that 400 years of bondage? The Bible tells us that they left with the wealth of the Egyptians. Remember, I mean, all the gold and silver and clothing, anything that that Israel asked for, the Egyptians gave it to them. So they left Egypt blessed with the favor of God on them. Can I tell you this? That God's favor on you will create enemies for you. Not everybody's going to celebrate what God's doing in your life. Oh, come on. I wish somebody would help me. In fact, when you become blessed with so much, the target gets bigger on your back. Let me say it this way. The more ground you take, the more enemies you make. Mm, Come on, help me today. Mm. This is going to help somebody because some of you feel like you're always under attack and you have people hating on you. Well, maybe it's not because you've done anything wrong. Maybe it's the favor of God that's resting on you. And as you begin to take ground, and we talk about this as a body of believers, we want to, to step into new territory. We want to shine light in dark places. And, and as you're taking ground, somebody else is losing ground. And the enemy that's losing ground is not going to give up without a fight. And some of you will be surrounded by enemies because of the favor of God on your life. Now, it's interesting that this is the very first battle that Israel has to fight. Up until this point, God had done everything for them. All the plagues in Egypt, that was God. You know, the parting of the Red Sea, that was the Lord. And now here they are in their newfound freedom, and they're being attacked by Amalek. And and God's saying, I want you to take up arms, and I want you to fight. See, sometimes God will do it for you. Sometimes God wants to do it through you. You see the difference? Salvation is something that God does for us. Salvation is a gift. We don't earn salvation. You don't behave your way into right relationship with God. God did all the work when it came to your salvation. In fact, the only thing that you and I contributed to our salvation was the sin that made it necessary. That's what we did. You know what my contribution to my salvation was? I made the mess. And how many of you are good at making messes? And the, the, the truth is, we can't always clean up what we messed up, and so here comes Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. 
See, salvation is God doing it for you, but discipleship is God doing it with you. Now, all of a sudden, when you say yes to Jesus, because he did all the heavy lifting, now when we receive Christ, then we've got to cooperate. There's, there's our part that we play. And here we see in, in this first conflict for the Israelites in their newfound freedom, an interesting battle strategy. Moses said to Joshua, you take some men and you go fight in the valley, but I'm going to go up the hill and I'm going to raise this staff. I'm going to raise this rod, and as I'm, as I'm lifting this high, the scripture says that there were some interesting dynamics between what was going on on the mountain and what was happening in the valley. The first thing I want you to jot down is this. Number one, when things get difficult, we all lift something. In a battle, you're lifting something whether you realize it or not. Moses was lifting a staff. Let me ask you this. When you're experiencing hardship, what are you lifting up? we got to pay attention to that because we all lift something. The truth is, when we walk through hard times, I brought these little foam fingers because we're going to talk about what we lift up, okay? What we lift is going to help us illustrate. Sometimes we lift up worry and we don't even know it. Have you discovered that worry will jump on you totally unaware? You didn't see it coming you didn't anticipate it. Man, but all of a sudden now things are going crazy in your life and you find that you're worrying about things. There's a stress that's come over you. Some of you know the pressure of anxiety and stress. The devil, he, he, he will upset you. He will set you up to get you upset. It's a set, but, but, and we're elevating worry and we don't realize it. When it comes to worry, I think there are two kinds of people. There are worry magnets, those who attract worry. They, they go to lunch and talk about what they're worried about, share coffee and men, hey, what about this, what about that? And, and so there's something contagious about that. It kind of spreads. There are worry magnets and then there are worry instigators. Have you met these people? Like you didn't know you were supposed to worry until you, until you talk to them, and it's like, oh, I didn't know that. I, I guess I should worry too. Come on, can I have a better amen? It's like, oh, wait, wait. Did you know? Oh, did you know? I read an article that said there was an outbreak of like poison. There's cantaloupes that are that are not fully ripe, and they're just causing like these sicknesses in people. And it's there's an outbreak in Colorado, and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that cantaloupe was so dangerous. And it's like, man, I, I think I ate a fruit cup this morning. I better go to the doctor. You don't know you're supposed to worry until you talk to them. And worry is contagious. It just spreads. Worry will neutralize what God wants to do in you. He's called you to be a warrior and not a worrier. You know, it's hard to fight the battle when you're worried. Uh, sometimes you just, you know, 99% of the things we worry about never even happen. Is that true? Some of you that are really worried, you're thinking, well, what about that 1%? <laughs> Some of you, when things are going good, you're very cautious because you think, man, if I don't have something to worry about, then I'm, I need to get worried. <laughs> worry is contagious. We worry about the economy. We worry about gas prices. We worry about inflation. Can I tell you something about, listen to this, man's inflation has no impact on God's economy. Heaven's supply is never jeopardized by man's inflation. 
But, but if, if we worry, it's hard to be a warrior when you elevate worry. But you know, worry has a cousin. If worry goes full blown, then worry turns into fear. No, oh, can I tell you something about fear? Fear will hold you hostage. Sometimes in a battle, we're afraid. We're afraid of what might happen, afraid of what's already happened or what's going to happen. The Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear. You know, mainstream media will do its best to keep people paralyzed in fear. Have you discovered that about the news? You watch the news or even look at social media. It's all designed to neutralize you and keep you afraid. Because if, if I can make you fearful, I can control you. People don't make wise decisions when they're bound by fear. Fear will, will destroy the work of God in, in a believer's life. And so when you're going through a battle, that's why the Lord continually told his people, fear not, do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The scripture reminds us God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear has killed more dreams than failure ever will. Some of you are afraid to pursue something, a dream that God's put in your heart because you think you're going to fail. Fear will chop the dreams of God in your life off at the root. Can I tell you, please do not elevate fear. Courage, you know what courage is? Courage is not necessarily the absence of fear. Courage is being afraid, but going anyway. And when you move forward in the face of your fears, these fears begin to die. Can I have a good amen? amen? Sometimes we elevate worry. Sometimes we elevate fear. Sometimes we elevate the complaint train. Choo-choo. All aboard. You ever noticed how easy it is to complain when you're fighting a battle? Oh, y'all looking all religious up in here now. Oh, if I could just be a little fly on the wall of your house. Man, when you're fighting the enemy, and man, it's just, it is easy to fall and to complain. Take a lesson from the children of Israel. After 400 years of being slaves, they have this newfound freedom, and it's not three days into the desert when they start complaining. Oh, God. We just had it better back in Egypt. Oh, really? You must have forgot what it felt like to bake bricks in the hot sun. When you complain, you remain. True for the children of Israel. Do you know that the journey from Egypt to Canaan, the promised land, the Bible says it was an 11-day journey. 11 days is all it should have taken. But because they started to complain, choo-choo, guess what they did? Complaining turned an 11-day journey into a 40-year circle from hell. When you complain, you remain. But when you praise, you'll be raised. Come on, somebody. We elevate worry. We elevate fear. Sometimes we complain. And if we complain enough, it just mushrooms into full-blown anger. Just explode mode. Do you know how, how confusing and how disappointing it is 
You ever, you ever come across a, a mean Christian? <laughs> Is that not sad? just so mean or so mad. One of the things I've discovered about anger is where there's heat, there's hurt. Some of you have unresolved hurt. You have wounds that are so deep and it just manifests itself into anger and you reach explode mode and the scripture says that the anger of man never produces the righteousness of God. Don't let your battles cause you to exalt your anger. Anger is going to destroy what God's trying to do in you. Can I have a better amen? What are you lifting? In times of difficulty, everybody lifts something. But yet the scripture tells us that Moses lifted up the staff. What was the deal with that rod? I mean, it was just a stick. What was so supernatural? What was special about the staff in his hand? When he held it in his hand, it became the rod of God, Yahweh. It's, it symbolized his power and his presence. Every time Moses would look at that staff, he would be reminded of how God parted the Red Sea when he stretched it out. Every time he looked at that staff, he would be reminded of, of when he threw that staff on the ground in front of Pharaoh and it became a snake. How many, how many get freaked out over that right there? And yet what's even crazier, Moses would reach down and pick up that snake. And then it became a staff again. Moses, every time he looked at that staff, he would be reminded of when he struck the rock and water came forth. Now, we've got to remember the faithfulness of God. As you're fighting your battles, remember what God has done for you. If he did it for you then, he can do it again. Let God's faithfulness in your past encourage you and give you strength for the battle that's in your future. Pick up the staff, not a sword. My tendency is to grab a sword. You know, the sword means we do it in the natural. The staff says, no, you got to fight it in the spiritual. I know sometimes I feel like going to the store and just, just buying a sword and naming it kindness and killing people with kindness in Jesus' name. Ooh, pastor, you're kind of getting violent. No, I'm saying this. Don't fight spiritual battles in the natural. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not your boss. Come on, somebody. Your enemy is not who's in the White House. Come on, talk to me. See, sometimes the world wants us to fight this thing politically, and God's saying, there's a spiritual dimension. Don't forget the spirit realm. Your enemy is not your spouse. Come on, help me today. Help me today. Let's fight this thing, not with a sword, but with the staff spiritually. The scripture says that there was an interesting dynamic between what Moses was doing on the mountaintop and what was happening with Joshua in the valley. What happens on the mountain influences the outcome in the valley. Catch this now. Listen with spiritual ears. As Moses prayed, Joshua prevailed. The mountain represents the spiritual realm and the authority of God. And if we will position ourselves in the mountain, we'll see the outcome change in the valley. Now let me give you a warning. Because Moses said, Joshua, get some men and go down there and fight. Now, I'm going to go up and climb the hill, and I'm just going to chill on the hill. If you're Joshua, what are you thinking? Mo, 
Can we, can we talk for a minute? I think I like your assignment better than mine. Beware of the dangers of comparison. Stay in your lane. You know what? God's put an assignment on your life. Don't compare your assignment to somebody else's. They're at a different season. They're at a different place. Their process is different than yours. You won't be true to your assignment if you're constantly jealous over somebody else's assignment. Oh, well, I didn't get asked to preach. Well, you know what? I have a gift to sing. And well, you know what? How come I'm the, all of my friends are married and I'm single? Listen, you're in a different season. You trust God with what he's put in your hand. Be faithful with your assignment. The dangers of comparison. Number one, what, what are you lifting up? Number two, check this out. Verse 12, Moses, Moses, his arms soon became so tired. He could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. Number one, pay attention to what you're lifting up. But number two, never lift alone. You cannot do this by yourself. Moses chose some men. In fact, Aaron was his brother, and most people believe that her was his brother-in-law. He chose a close, trusted circle of friends to climb the hill together. You see, the key to victory, the key to victory was team. Joshua had his team in the valley, and Moses has his team on the hill. Who's on your team? Who are you doing life with? Who have you surrounded yourself with? Now, Moses was good by himself for a little while, but he wasn't good by himself forever. His arms got tired. And the truth is, maybe you're here today and your arms are getting tired. And if you haven't surrounded yourself with trusted allies, with people who love you and care for you and can pray for you and strengthen you and encourage you, even the best of the best, their arms will grow weak. Are you catching this? You'll never, you'll never do the will of God all by yourself. You just can't. You, you want, it's impossible. Don't lift alone. Last month, I was in the gym. I was going through a workout. It's on a Monday, and so Monday is my chest day. So, man, I'm getting on that bench press, and, man, I did four sets, and, man, I was just throwing some weight that was so impressive. <laughs> Not going to tell you what it was, but trust me, y'all. <laughs> Incredible. I was breaking records, like, I mean, just personal records. So I did flat bench, and, and then I went to incline. And so I'd already done four sets of flat bench. Now I'm going four sets of incline, and I'm on my last set. And the goal was to get 10 reps on that last set. And, man, I was just stacking on the weight. Man, I was proud of myself. Here we go. They don't call me the bishop of biceps for nothing. And so I'm repping out that left. And, and the goal was 10, okay? And I'm about eight. And on eighth rep, I'm like, ooh, I'm feeling strength leaving me. Number nine, ooh, I struggled to make it to the top. And this was the critical point now. Am I going to get the last rep? Or does wisdom say, rack it and get some rest? I got greedy on that last one. So, I, I mean, I, I didn't have much left, but I only had one more, so I'm going to go for it. And I went down and... 
And look, y'all, it's not coming up off the chest. And it's getting heavier by the moment. And internally, I reached a point of panic. And so I'm looking around in the gym. And I see a dude over there, his name's Tommy. And, you know, I'm trying to play it cool. Like, hey, I got this. Hey, Tommy, little, little help. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, little help. Tommy just kept right on walking by. He had his ear pods in so he couldn't hear me. So I said, like, oh, okay. So I'm scanning the gym and I'm looking at Ken. Ken, my trainer. Ken! Ken's in his office. He doesn't hear me. And then I look over. I see another dude. Now, I know that dude don't like me. I know he don't like me. I ain't even messing with him. And so I'm struggling. I'm thinking, I'm going to die. I'm literally, I, I, I'm going to die. That's going to be a terrible write-up in the newspaper. Healing Place Pastor, cause of death, incline bench press at Anytime Fitness in Prairieville. And so I had to kind of get it, struggle and finally get one in and boom, weights flying. I was that guy that was throwing weights around. And then people look at me like, why didn't you ask for help? It's <laughs> like I did. <laughs> Some of you, that's where you are in life right now. You're trying to press things in your marriage, and you just can't rep it out. You're trying to lift some things for your kids, and they're making poor decisions, and you're thinking, man, I can't do it for them. Some of you are under such financial pressure, and you're thinking, I need help. Don't lift alone. This is why we talk about relationships and community here at HPC. We talk about being big enough to serve you, but small enough to know you. You need relationships. Come on. You need support now. Listen to this. If you don't get support now, you'll be on life support later. See, part of small groups is, is preventative. If you make a decision to get plugged into a small group when things are good, then when things fall apart, come on, you'll be prepared. Some of you wait until a crisis before you reach out and get help. Get help now. You see, it, it's, you can't measure prevention, but you can sure measure what happens without it. Be in relationship. Moses had Aaron and her, and the Bible says that with the help of those two men, that he held his grip, he stayed steady until sunset. You know what that tells me? That you're not going to win every battle in the first five minutes. You're going to have to fight this thing and keep fighting this thing and fighting it. And man, I've been fighting in the morning and I'm fighting in the afternoon and the sun's going down and I'm still fighting, holding steady until sunset. You see, the older I get, the more attractive faithfulness becomes. Oh, that, that, that we would finish like we've started. I don't have to be extraordinary. I just want to be faithful. And we live in a generation that's, that's trying to be extraordinary. They're, they're, they're chasing one moment of extraordinary to get 10,000 likes. Why can't we just be faithful with 10,000 moments of ordinary for the one like from our Heavenly Father? Somebody say, steady! Hold it steady until sunset. I tell my daughters, when you get married, you need to marry Steady Eddie. And you watch out for Sexy Steve. Come on, how many of you know Sexy has a shelf life? Oh, hey, you may look good in the moment, but listen, don't marry Sexy Steve. I'm sorry if your name's Steve. Everybody say, God bless. Steve, we love you. Be sexy, but be steady. Come on now. 
Steady will take care of you your whole life. Bible says in Moses' hands, with the help of Aaron and her, stayed steady till sunset. Now watch this. Let, let, let me wrap this up. Are you catching this today? The Bible says, and here's what's interesting. Notice there's a generational dynamic too. Moses, I want to speak to, to the older generation. Moses represents that senior leadership, represents wisdom and experience. Can I tell all of the older saints among us, we need you. Amen. We need your wisdom. We need your faithfulness. We need your experience. Joshua represents the next generation. It represents these young guns, our sons and our daughters. Oh, man, the energy and the fire and the passion. You know what? This younger generation, they have ideas. They have creativity. Oh, we need their innovation. Uh, young people have great passion. They have great ideas, but they got no money. Come on, somebody. So uh, older folks, we need not only your wisdom and your experience, we need your resource. Come on, somebody. Young people, continue to have creative thoughts and innovative ideas, but respect the wisdom and the example of the older generation. It takes every generation. And you know what? Life is hard, and sometimes you feel the weight of it. But I wanted you to know this. Everything in life worth having is uphill. Yeah. Everything is. You need to embrace hard. Yeah. Somebody say, embrace hard. embrace hard. You need to embrace that life is hard. Everything you want in life is uphill. Yeah. You want a great marriage? Uphill. You want great kids? Uphill. You want a great business, great relationships. Everything you want in life is uphill. The problem is we have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. Woo! Come on, turn to everybody and say, that's good stuff right there. Downhill habits will never accomplish uphill hopes. Embrace what's hard, but don't lift alone. The last thing. Look at verse 13. As a result, the scripture says, as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. That older generation and that younger generation, teamwork makes the dream work. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, and watch this, he said, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder. I want you to read it out loud to who? Read it to Joshua. There's an important reason why he says, tell Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Verse 15, Moses built an altar there, and he named it what? What did he name it? Yahweh Nisi. What does Yahweh Nisi mean? It means the Lord is my banner. There it is. The whole story, and I'm going to finish with, with the title of the message, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And he said they've raised their fist against the Lord's throne, so now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. Here's the final thought I want you to see is God does the heavy lifting in this thing. We say, well, what are you lifting? Never lift alone. But the truth is God is doing the heavy lifting. Have you ever helped somebody move furniture? And it took like four or five of you, and you got this big old piece, and it's kind of awkward, and it's heavy, and you're trying to maneuver it off the truck, and you know, down the little, the, the little, the little uh, uh, ramp, and into the house, and you know, and it's just heavy. And then you kind of take your hands away, and you realize that you weren't really doing anything at all. 
That's kind of how it is in this thing. Whatever, whatever battle you're, you're fighting, know that he's doing the heavy lifting. Because the, the banner, the, the banner, Scripture says, are we good? Is everybody still good? Okay. Scripture says, Jehovah Nisi, the, the Lord, the Lord is our banner. Are we good? Is everybody good? We're pointing. We're looking. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Lord, I'm just going to keep my eyes on you. <laughs> so many times we're focused on the battle. And God says, lift up the banner. Don't let it be worried. Don't let it be fear. Don't complain. Not anger. And all, whatever you can fill in the blank to whatever that is. But lift up the name of Jesus. And when Jesus is lifted up, the victory is guaranteed. Can I have a good amen? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.